0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Desk Podcast. This is your Monday morning episode. It is once again coming to you on a Tuesday due to some travel. Um, I pushed the show back a day, so thanks for bearing with me. I appreciate your patience and understanding there. Uh, But it was a huge weekend with a lot going on for Utah State football and basketball. Um, So huge, huge win for Utah State over San Jose State. And in basketball as well, getting a win over Richmond, we will talk about both of those as well as everything else going on in the conference, which is starting to, uh, I think, probably take its final form, um, and I think we're starting to see how the conference will finish. Uh, there might be um, a few teams that jump over another or, or slide a little bit, um, but I think for the most part, we're really starting to see the conference shake out um, from top to bottom. So we'll take a look at all that going on. Um, as we start to wind down the football season, uh, coming into the final few weeks before championship week and bowl season, and as we pick up on basketball season. So an exciting time for sports, uh, particularly a- uh, Aggie sports, where we are really starting to see some success in both and where we are um, having a lot of fun in, in both football and basketball. So let's go ahead and start with basketball. I'm excited to get to uh, both basketball and football, but the basketball game happened first, so we'll go ahead and start with that. I also want to get to football, and uh, maybe we might spend a little bit more time on football than basketball, um, to be honest with you, because there's a lot going on with football as we wind down the season. So Utah State with a big win over Richmond. I don't know that it really erases the loss against UC Davis. I think both of those games are still... Undetermined in terms of how bad the loss will be and how good this win will be. Richmond has had really, really good teams in the past. Uh, the Richmond Spiders, they've, they've had tournament teams in the past. And UC Davis, they are in the Big West, which the Big West is actually having a crazy good year so far. They're having a pretty wild start to the uh, to the season. Um, so it's definitely a loss that's going to hurt us, but how bad that will hurt is is yet to be determined. So hopefully both those teams can go on and have some success, and hopefully we can get that Richmond win to kind of erase the UC Davis loss, and hopefully by the end of the season that's not as bad anyways, and hopefully it's one of just a few losses. Um, But the Richmond win is a big win. It's an important win. It's one of those wins that if we are on the bubble later on in the season, um, or uh, at the end of the season on Selection Sunday, will hopefully uh, get us moved on the right side of the bubble. The Atlantic 10 is really a pretty good basketball conference. They have a lot of teams that you're probably going to recognize Uh, They have the St. Louis Billikens. They have St. Bonaventure, who's had good years. They have George Mason, who's had good years. Um, The really notable teams are probably Dayton and VCU, um, both of them in the A-10, as well as Davidson along with Richmond. So a really solid basketball conference. So it's a good win um, against a good team and a good conference for Utah State. The final score was 85-74 for the Aggies. It was... Not played in Logan. It was a road game, but it was at a a neutral site. It was played at the Naval Academy as part of the Veterans Day Classic. Um, So Richmond having somewhat of of a location advantage. um, Certainly a road game for Utah State, um, even though it wasn't played in the opposing team's venue necessarily. So an 11-point win... Fueled in large part by Justin Bean and his 30-piece that he dropped. Justin Bean was the game leader in points with 30. He also had one assist, one steal, one block, and 14 rebounds. So Justin Bean kind of doing Justin Bean things with um, more scoring than we are used to. And part of that is because of the teams that he's been on. I think Justin Bean is going to be asked to step into a higher scoring role. Um, the other leading scorers for Utah State um, coming in after Justin Bean was Brandon Horvath with 18 points. He also had four rebounds, four assists, and hit four three-pointers. He was four of six from the three-point land. After Horvath with 18, uh, Trevin Dorias came off the bench to score 11. Um Rylan Jones was in the starting lineup with 10. R.J. Idlerock had 6. Brock Miller had 4. So the starters, Brandon Horvath, Justin Bean, Rylan Jones, R.J. Edelrock, and Brock Miller. Uh, Brandon Horvath was, as we mentioned, um, 4 from 6 from 3. He was also 6 of 11 from the field with 18 points. Justin Bean, we talked about his stat line as well. He was 11 for 16 from the field, 3 for 4 from 3. Ryland Jones was 4 of 9 from the field, oh of 2 from 3. And he got 4 rebounds, 5 assists, and his 10 points. RJ Idle Rock was 1 of 1 from the field, 1 of 1 from 3. He had 4 rebounds as well, 2 assists, and 6 points. Brock Miller was... Two of eight from the field, o of two from three-point land, with three rebounds and assist, and four points on the night for Brock. So then, uh, of course, Trevin Dory is coming in off the bench, playing really well with his eleven-point performance. Steven Ashworth, who. Had a great game last game coming off the bench. He also had four points to contribute. He was one of two from the field. Had his other two points come in the form of two free throws, of which he was two of two. He also had two rebounds, three assists, and took one three-pointer that did not fall. So um, Stephen Ashworth, I think, probably going to be falling into a sixth man of the year role for utah state probably the the number one guy off the bench depending on the matchup trevin Dorius also proving he's very capable coming off the bench to get some high usage depending on the matchup and i think between those two it really just kind of depends on who we're playing and what we're what we're trying to do um, in terms of inside outside basketball um, who will kind of come in off the bench and, and get the most usage so that's where Utah State's points came from against Richmond. They played really, really well, particularly in the second half. They just kind of took it and ran away with it. And as we mentioned, a lot of that is thanks to Justin Bean and his 30 points. Uh, that is a career high for Justin Bean. And like we talked about, it's um, he's never really been asked to score 30 points before. He's always played on a team with... Sam Merrill and Nimi Esqueda, and even beyond that, he's played on teams with guys like Abel Porter, Diogo Brito, Fonzo Anderson, who all kind of had a higher scoring role as well. Brock Miller, of course, still on the team, has been on the team for as long as Justin Bean has. He often has a higher scoring role than Justin Bean has had, so uh, for Justin Bean to go out there and get a 30-piece is big for him, and I think it shows that Utah State has a lot more weapons, uh, especially because Justin Bean may be... Uh, a weapon that was overlooked offensively early on in the season and hopefully is overlooked more often because it gives him an opportunity to go play really, really well, drop 30 points on people who aren't expecting it. Justin Bean his, um, Justin Bean has quite the reputation as a rebounder and as a defender, um, but his shooting has not earned the same reputation, so if he is going to develop his offensive game, he can be a really big weapon for Utah State, uh, especially alongside guys like RJ Idle Rock, Brock Miller, Brandon Horvath, and Ryland Jones. So that's going to be huge if Justin Bean can step up his scoring and do something that no one else in the conference or in the league is really expecting of him. Um, that's going to be huge for Utah State moving forward. So it will be interesting to see as teams start to adjust to Justin Bean and realize that he can be an elite scorer and that the only reason he hasn't been, um, I guess, an elite, elite scorer, a top-tier scorer is because of the style of play and because of what he's done and because of his teammates, it's gonna be interesting to see how they adjust to him and where those possessions go as they move away from Justin Bean. I think this starting lineup is super stacked. Really one through seven, one through six, one through seven, um, depending on the matchup and depending how uh depending on how you wanna look at it. Um, but certainly one through six is really, really loaded for Utah State, especially if Justin Bean can continue to play offensively that way because Brandon Horvath, Ryland Jones, RJ Idlerock, and Brock Miller are all dudes that can score at a high clip. And then, of course, getting into the bench, Stephen Ashworth is the same way. So with Justin Bean joining their ranks as elite offensive players, I think Utah State is just going to be really, really loaded and really stacked one through six or one through seven um, coming into some of these bigger games, coming into the tournament that we have this week or the the showcase um, the Myrtle Beach Invitational, and then, of course, getting into conference play, which is going to be really, really difficult. Um, so it's going to be nice to have have a bunch of weapons that can score. And the great thing about Utah State as well is all of our scorers are really, really good at either defense and rebounding or both. Um, you look through our one through six, we have Brandon Horvath, Justin Bean, Ryland Jones, RJ Idlerock, Brock Miller, and Steven Ashworth. None of those guys are... One job guys—they're all multifaceted. Whether they're three and D guys, or whether they're um, shooting and rebounding, or whether they're inside-outside guys, or guys that can move the ball and facilitate and pass, and and, and all those things. So we'll talk about all those guys a lot more coming up on the season. But uh, the thing I really like about this Utah State team is how versatile the lineup is as a whole. But also each individual player—they can do so many things and bring so much to the court when he steps on the court. So. So I think we have a really dangerous lineup coming into the season. I think that's a huge win against Richmond. Um, I know a lot of people might not think it's a huge win or or a really big characteristic win. I think it's big for a couple of reasons because, one, I think it proves how talented and versatile we are. I think, two, it's going to be a win that we're really, really glad we have. Um, we will see what Richmond can do. Richmond so far is 1-1 one and one in the season. But they have some really good games coming up. They play, just looking forward, just a few games. They have Maryland on their schedule who is ranked in the top 25. They're 20 right now. So hopefully they can go out and get some of those wins. And then getting into conference play, they're going to be playing a lot of pretty good teams in their conference. So uh, hopefully Richmond can do their job and make us look look pretty good uh, as we move forward from that game. Utah State moving forward has Penn on Thursday the 18th. And then following that will be um, kind of opponents, depending on other games. So we really don't know where to go after we play Penn, but there will be two more games in that Myrtle Beach Invitational. And then after that, after our road trip, we come back. And as we've mentioned, and we're back in the spectrum against UT Arlington on the 27th. So um, a fun stretch of opponents for Utah State before bringing it back home. For some games that realistically you should be winning. Uh, but of course we know in college basketball and in college sports nothing is guaranteed. So uh, a lot of fun games coming up in basketball. And I've said it before, I really am not worried about this team. I know starting off 0-1 is not how we wanted to start the season. But hey, one game later we're 1-1. We're at 500. I don't think we dip below 500 again if I'm being honest with you. I think we beat Penn. And then from there we, I think we stay at or above 500 for the first few games before really taking off and and putting that 500 marker in the rearview mirror long before conference play. So I'm not worried about this team. I really don't think that there's a lot to worry about. I'm glad that they are starting to mesh and start to look like they are more together. But losing a game with a brand new head coach where you only had two returning starters, that's not crazy. So I'm really not worried about the team moving forward we might be, as I've said, better than we were last year. I know that's kind of a hot take because we're losing so much from what we had last year to this year, including a head coach and three starters. One, Nemi Esqueda to the NBA. But I really do think we can be just as good or better. And we're going to start finding that out here in the next couple couple days and games. So stay tuned for all of that as we, as we move forward into college basketball season. All right, and then let's get ready to move over into football. Before we do that, I actually want to go through... The conference scoreboard in basketball. Basketball is going to be a little bit more complicated and difficult to do um, on these Monday morning shows because there's so many more games in basketball than football, and they're playing on all different days of the week. So it's not like college football where it's basically Saturdays uh, Saturdays only, but um, we, well, let's take a look at what's going on in the conference so that we can have an idea of what else is going on, and then we'll jump into football. We'll talk about Utah State's win against San Jose State. Um, and what that means for us in the conference. Um, spoiler alert, it means a lot. So uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the Mountain West scoreboard from the previous week. We might be double dipping on some of these games. We may have already talked about some of them. But we'll just kind of go through kind of the general uh, the general outlook on where the conference is at. And where some of those other teams are. Even though we're only just a couple games in um, into NCAA basketball. So, <clears throat> All right, so most of the teams in the conference have played two games, although there are a couple that have played three. The current standings and this won't mean too much because there's only been three games and so there's a lot of identical records and and such. Um, but the current standings are Colorado State, Fresno State, UNLV all at 3 and 0, and then we have Wyoming at 2 and 0. So we have five unbeaten teams in the conference because San Jose State is actually 1 and 0, but because they only have one game there. A little bit lower in the standings, but at at the top of the standings in the conference, we have Colorado State, Fresno State, UNLV, Wyoming, 3-0 for Colorado State, Fresno State, UNLV, Wyoming at 2-0. Um, quite honestly, Colorado State will probably stay there at the top of the conference. Fresno State could stay there at the top of the conference. UNLV is one of the best college basketball teams in the history of college basketball. They've had a couple down years. It would not surprise me if they came out of those bad years and if they stayed up there. Uh, Wyoming Cowboys, they are 2-0. They will lose some games. They'll probably end up more in the middle of the conference. Um, But even even just those three top teams, those teams might settle in right there at the top. Moving on beyond the undefeated teams or the, the top four teams, we have the New Mexico Lobos currently at 2-1. Then we have San Jose State at 1-0. Oh, they've only played one game. And then we have Boise State, Air Force, Nevada, San Diego State, and Utah State all at 1-1. One and one. All of those records are, of course, out-of-conference records. No one in the conference has played a conference game yet. That won't start for a little bit longer. And, of course, these standings will change and the records will change very, very rapidly um, because unlike football, bas- basketball happens all throughout the week. It's not just one game a week. So actually, as we are speaking right now, San Jose State is in the middle of their second game. They're playing Stanford with just 10 minutes to go in the second half. They are losing 49-53 to 53 right now. So we'll keep an eye on that score. Hopefully we get a final score by the end of the the show today, and I'll try to remember to keep an eye on that. But um, right now they, they are playing, and uh, that'll be their second game. So that will have kind of a big, big shift in their standings because if they win, they'll jump up and join the other undefeated teams. And if they lose, they'll kind of settle in with all the other one on one teams. But right now, they're kind of in a weird spot because they've only played one game where everybody else has two or three. So the other notable games that have happened um, last Thursday on the 11th, South Dakota beat Air Force by six. So Air Force falling, that's their one loss to uh, South Dakota. San Diego State's only loss is to BYU. They lost 66-60 on Friday, November 12th. Uh, So that's a tough one for San Diego State. BYU is a pretty good team. And between San Diego State and BYU, both of those teams will probably spend uh, some time in the top 25. BYU, after their win to San Diego State, is already receiving 26 votes, which puts them just outside the top 25 but well within the top 30. So keep an eye on them to be in the top 25. They are an opponent of ours later on in the season. We played them down in Provo. And, of course, San Diego State has played them. They play a lot of Mountain West teams in basketball generally. Um, And so that will be a a fun team to keep an eye on because it's a common opponent of a lot of our conference teams. And it's, of course, an opponent of our own. Um, Nevada also lost that same night, Friday the 12th, to the University of San Diego. Not San Diego State University, the Aztecs the University of San Diego. That's a game that Nevada should have won, uh, but they didn't. And then Saturday, November 13th, had a couple fun games uh, that are notable. Um, UNLV beat Cal, the Golden Bears. Um, Cal is a Pac-12 team, so it's always fun when a Mountain West team beats a Pac-12 opponent. Um, it's really, really good for the conference, and we love to beat up on the Pac-12. So 55-52 to for UNLV over Cal. And then that same night, UC Irvine got the best of the Boise State Broncos, 58-50. to So the Mountain West beating an opponent from a superior conference and at the same time losing to an opponent from an inferior conference. UC Irvine also competing in the Big West. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, the Big West has just some random really big wins. They are having a really wild start to the season. And then other than that, not a whole lot going on. Um, uh, At least not a whole lot out of the ordinary or nothing nothing too notable. So uh, basketball is... Back in full swing, lots and lots going on, and we will be keeping up with that as we continue to play. So that is what's going on in the conference, and on even by the next time we talk, there will be more to talk about, more going on in basketball. So I'm really excited for that. And then let's shift over to football. Before we do that, let's check in on that San Jose State and Stanford game. Because that is live as I'm recording. It will not be live when you're listening to this. It will be over. Uh, That game is still a close game. San Jose State down by 4 to another Pac-12 opponent with just over 8 minutes to go. So we'll keep an eye on that as we move into talking about San Jose State's football team and their game against the Utah State Aggies. And hopefully San Jose State, unlike in their game against Utah State in football, hopefully they get the win against Stanford and We pick up another Pac-12 win. Now, Utah State football and San Jose State football played on Saturday. And for Utah State, a chance to play in the title game was in the balance or somewhat on the line. And for San Jose State, the defending champions... There was not much at stake somehow because they came into the game right at 500. Um, San Jose State has had a really, really weird year, and Utah State put together probably their best game of football that they have played all year long, and they beat the Spartans with a final score of 48 to 17. So, Utah State really just continuing to win, continuing to do what they do but doing it in a much cleaner and much better-looking fashion than they have in the previous seven games that they've won, and all of a sudden, everybody takes notice. Utah State, at this point in the season, after beating San Jose State, the defending champions, by a wide, wide margin, is suddenly getting national attention and is starting to receive votes in the top 25. Of course, at this point in the season, the AP poll which is kind of the default poll, the most important poll that's used in the first half of the season, doesn't really matter as much because it's now the college football playoff poll um, or the college football playoff rankings that people are more worried about. And Utah State's not being ranked there, and we're not probably going to be. Um, but to be receiving votes in the top 25 and the AP poll is huge, especially because, as we talked about last week, if Utah State can end the season in the top 25, especially if we can end... In the top 20 or as close to 15 or 10 as possible, if we can get as low on that list as we can, we set ourselves up to have a really good year next year. Now, one mistake I made last year is I thought that we played Alabama first week. We actually play UConn to start off the season next year. So week one, we play UConn. So if we can finish this season in the top 25, and I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, and we'll we'll make sure we talk about this San Jose State game, but if Utah State can get into the top 25 and stay in the top 25, start next season ranked, start with a win against UConn before going into Alabama, you might be able to afford to lose a game to Alabama, stay in the top 25, and that sets up a whole lot going on into next season and into the end of next season. But we'll talk about that later. Um, At any rate, Utah State is receiving 12 votes in the AP poll after their commanding, commanding win against the reigning champs, the San Jose State Spartans. And like I've said, it was probably Utah State's best game of football start to finish that they've played all year. San Jose State scores 17, and they should have scored less. Utah State's defense put the clamps on the Spartans. They weren't giving up anything. I've always been really high on this defense, even since before the season started. Um, I've talked about how, in my opinion, the defense has been the bright spot of this team And they finally went out there and really proved everybody else wrong. In my opinion, they've been doing it all year. But this game, they left no doubt. This defense is one of the best defenses in the conference, especially when they play at the top of their abilities. They are so good. And they can just suck the life out of any offense in the conference. And they are really good. They are elite. So the Spartans did score 17. Where did those come from? Well, the first two touchdowns were kind of handed to the Spartans by Utah State's offense. The first touchdown for San Jose State was a pick six that Logan Bonner threw in the first quarter. So Logan Bonner continuing his his tradition of the first quarter interception. But this is the first time that he's thrown one for a pick six, at least that I, that I can remember. I can't remember any that were returned for a pick six. So Logan Bonner throws his first quarter interception. It's caught. It's run back, six points. They kick the extra point, seven to zero. Then... To make matters worse, the offense continues to struggle. And so in, in this two-drive sequence, the offense just really hit a hiccup, hit a roadblock, and just didn't look good for just two consecutive drives. Um, they they later recovered, obviously, scoring 48 points, but these two drives, it was the third and the fourth drive of the game in the first quarter, um, it just did not look great. I mean, we can we can praise the offense all we want when they succeed, but these two drives weren't good. So they throw a they throw a pick six. San Jose State scores, kicks off. We get the ball back and immediately fumble the ball. So we give the ball back to the Spartans on the thirty eight yard line. They of course punch it in, and it quickly becomes fourteen to zero, and San Jose State hasn't even had to earn it yet. We just literally give them a interception, touchdown. We give them a touchdown, give them seven points, and then we hand the ball back to them on our own thirty-eight yard line. Great field position. I mean, that those two drives happening consecutively are the stuff of Aggie fan nightmares. I mean, this is this is exactly what you were dreading coming into this game in California. I think a lot of us had it. Kind of marked as a possible trap game against the San Jose State Spartans, the defending champs, the reigning champs, who were hovering around 500 and certainly not wanting to get sucked into a below 500 record. And to start off the game with a punt, a punt, a pick six, and a fumble on the 38 that's returned for a touchdown is exactly how we did not want to start the game. But then, immediately, the game turns 180 degrees around. And after San Jose State's touchdown, the 38-yard touchdown, Utah State scores their own touchdown. Then they force a fumble, this time on San Jose State's 22. So we thought that fumbling on our own 38 was bad. We forced a fumble on their 22. Of course, that's returned for a touchdown. Then we force a punt, we score another touchdown, we force a punt, and we get a field goal. So after after punting twice, throwing a pick six, and fumbling the ball, Utah State scores a touchdown, scores a touchdown, scores a touchdown, kicks a field goal to end the half. So Utah State, really outside of those two drives, like I said, they played the most complete game of football that they have played all year long. Three consecutive touchdown drives, followed by a field goal, They get the ball back in the second half, and they're only halfway done. They scored 24 in the first half, 24 in the second half. So they get the ball back after scoring 24 in the first half. They get the ball back, and they give up a field goal, and then they score a touchdown. I mean, after those two bad drives early on in the first quarter, Utah State just stepped on the gas, and they didn't stop. That field goal that they gave up was the last time San Jose State would score. They scored three in the third quarter. They did not score again. In the rest of the game. They didn't score at all in the fourth. So they they get a gimme, a cheap shot touchdown in the first quarter, a pick six. Then they get another cheap shot touchdown in the second quarter where we fumble the ball on our own 38. And you just, I mean, you can't stop that. When you when you give a team that good of a field position, they're going to score. And that's fine. That's what happens. That's football. We did the same thing just a few minutes later. The Spartans get two cheap shot touchdowns. And then a field goal. And that's it. This game easily could have been 3-48 to 48 the way the defense was playing. The defense, the, during the first half, I looked at this game and I was like, the defense is going to win them this game. The defense is winning them this game. The offense was then outrageously good as well. And I think everyone won them this game. You don't win a game 48-17 to 17 just because of one side of the ball. Just because of the defense. So you had special teams, defense, offense, all playing well. But the defense is what stood out from start to finish. Especially in that first half where you where you look and it becomes a 14-0 ball game at no fault of the defense. The defense did everything right and the offense just had those two mistakes. Just two. Everyone makes two mistakes. Every team that has ever played a game of football makes two mistakes in a game. That's just what happens. It just happened to be costly mistakes that the Spartans were able to capitalize on. And it kind of made the defense look bad. So I remember looking at this game and thinking the defense hasn't done anything wrong. And it's a 14-0 to ball game. And that's just not a way you want to start a a game. You don't want to look at a game and think we're down 14-0. to And the defense hasn't given up a single big play. The defense hasn't done anything wrong. You're starting from behind. You're starting in in this 14-point hole. But doesn't matter. Logan Bonner throws four touchdowns to make up for his one interception and his fumble, and suddenly the Utah State, suddenly the game belongs to Utah State and it's not close. So I think the, de- the defense certainly deserves all the praise. Um they basically made this game a 48 to three point game. They they gave up three points in all in all legitimacy, the defense gave up three points. The other 14 points are completely the responsibility of the offense, and that's, again, the offense deserves praise too. It was just those two mistakes that were really, really bad. So credit where credit is due, obviously. I mean, everyone, everyone in this game played great. We'll get to some of the numbers in a minute. But just to highlight how good the defense was, 14 of the 17 points scored by the Spartans are on the offense. The defense only gave up three points to San Jose State. That's a really, really, really good performance by Utah State. By the defense. Now to the offense's credit, they scored 48 points against a team who hasn't given up 40 points all year. San Jose State has only given up more than 30 points three times. Before this game. They gave up 30 even to USC. They gave up 31 to New Mexico State. They gave up 32 to Colorado State. Other than that they have held opponents to 20 or less. In the 20s or in the 10s or or in the 1 through 9 range. And Utah State just blew the doors off of this game. The offense and scores 48 points on a team that hasn't given up more than 30 all year. So the praise goes both ways. The praise goes to the defense and the offense. The defense had one of the best performances I've seen in a long, long time, and I think they deserve kind of the gold medal of the game. They the defense was the MVP, but the praise goes to everybody. Forty eight points against the San Jose State team is outrageous. Beating San Jose, beating, beating San Jose State forty eight to seventeen and looking the way they did. Utah State doesn't look like they're going to lose again. And that includes the championship game. If Utah State continues to play like this, we don't lose again. We beat Wyoming, we beat New Mexico, we win a championship game, or we win a bowl game. Depending on the opponent, of course. But at this rate, Utah State goes 4-0 in the next four games. This is the football that we've been waiting for all year. This is the football that we've been seeing for one or two or three quarters Every single game. All put together. They put it all together against Hawaii. But it was was an opponent that wasn't quite as good. 51-31 to we beat Hawaii. But to go out and beat the reigning champs. 48-17. to That's big time. And like I said. If we play like that again. There's going to be a championship game. That we're in. Might be in Logan. And we're going to win that game. Because Utah State played really, really good. They are a good football team always have been since game 1 against Washington State Utah State's been a good football team and we we've known this right like we we've known this since the beginning and now there are 12 AP voters that finally agree with us that are finally realizing that Utah State's a good team it only took us getting to 8 and 2 for people to notice but that's okay because because it's been a fun ride so far so let's look at the numbers Logan Bonner 20 of 33 For 263 yards, 4 touchdowns, an interception, and a fumble. That fumble and the interception really hurt his QBR, which came out to be 66.9. Still a really good QB rating, and if he wouldn't have had both an interception and a fumble, or if he would have just had one, that would have been off the charts. A great game for Logan Bonner. A great, great game for Logan Bonner. With a very balanced attack on offense. And we've talked about balance. It doesn't mean equal yards, rushing, receiving. It means getting yards however you please. And winning a game 48-17. to That's balance. And so for this team and, and for most teams it generally means that there's more yards in the air. Less yards on the ground. But that you're getting a healthy dose of both. That certainly happened. 147 yards on the ground, 263 yards in the air. On the ground, it was Calvin Tyler Jr. coming back, returning to his position at the top of the rushing leaderboards. He had 21 carries for 61 yards and ran in a touchdown. El Noah uh, was also right there, did not want to be um, outdone. He had 10 carries for 41 yards. He also had a touchdown. His longest, um, his longest run was 12 yards. Palazzo Makakona was right there as well. Nine carries for 35 yards with a longest rush of 14 yards. So he had the longest run of the night for Utah State. Andrew Peasley also had two carries um, for himself for a total of five yards. Uh, Receiving Devin Tompkins, of course, is at the top of the leaderboards. Um, I promise this number is not a typo. It's not a mistake. He had 127 yards on five catches. Five. Devin Tompkins touched the ball five times and had another 100 yard receiving night. Devin Tompkins averaged over 25 yards per reception. His longest was 53 yards. Devin Tompkins is out of this world. He is so good. I really hope that everyone is really appreciating Devin Tompkins. I really hope everyone is enjoying every second that we get to watch this kid. Because he's unbelievable. Five catches, 127 yards. His longest was 53 yards. I mean, that dude is a playmaker. He's a playmaker. No touchdown for DT on the night, by the way. Derek Wright, on the other hand, is a touchdown machine. Derek Wright honestly has like almost as many touchdowns as he has receptions. This dude is hes a touchdown machine. That's what he is. He has three receptions on the night. Two of them were touchdowns. He does that kind of thing all the time. He'll have two catches for two touchdowns, or one catch for one touchdown. Tonight, it's three receptions for two touchdowns, 50 yards total. His longest is 41. Derek Wright, is he's a touchdown machine. Devin Tompkins is a yards machine, and Devin Tompkins is a lot of things, to be honest. But Derek Wright's a touchdown machine. Justin McGriff also had three catches for 29 yards total. Brandon Bowling, three catches for 25 yards total. He had a touchdown for himself. He had a 17-yard catch as well. Calvin Tyler Jr., In addition to running the ball, he caught the ball twice and had 12 yards in the air. Elian Noah also caught the ball twice and had 12 yards. Carson Terrell had one reception for six yards and Savon Scarver is finally starting to get some more usage on offense rather than just special teams. He is one of the best playmakers and one of the most athletic kids we've ever had at this school. I honestly believe that. One reception, it was a two-yard pass, but it was for a touchdown. So Savon Scarver getting himself another touchdown, he deserves it. Um, Savon Scarver, I'm really hoping he has a chance to break the record here in the next couple games. And I really, really hope it's against Wyoming at home. That would be amazing. Uh, so hopefully he can return another touchdown. But until then, receiving one will have to do... One reception for two yards and a touchdown for Savon Scarver. Um, Utah State, we've talked about the defense. Forced and recovered two fumbles. Uh, We only gave up one fumble. It was the Logan Bonner fumble that we talked about. Defensively, let's run through some of those numbers because those guys uh, certainly deserve some recognition. Justin Rice, eight tackles, five solo. Hunter Reynolds, six tackles, four solo. Uh, Nick Henniger had... Four total tackles, two of them solo, one sack, one and a half tackles for loss. Um, the fumbles were caused by Carter and Cash Gilliam. A Johnny Carter also getting a sack as well. Jack Bond, uh, four total tackles, three solo. I mean, just just a solid night for the defense, all around. Let's look at some of San Jose State's yardage and some of their numbers because it just shows how unbelievably good Utah State's defense was. San Jose State rushing. All night long, 12 yards. 12 total yards as a team. That's not that's not like playing the game we did against UNLV where if you take out Charles Williams, then UNLV had negative yards. We're talking the entire team in the game we played, 12 yards. They only had two guys who ran for more than 10 yards. Nick Nash had 16, and Tyler Nevins, had 12 everyone else had like none or negative receiving we only gave up 138 which when we're getting 263 of our own is fine but we didn't let him throw for a touchdown so the defense was really really good we also had an interception a johnny carter who as we mentioned had a fumble recovered and a sack he also had an interception and then our special teams has been really aggressive this year um, save on Scarver uh, picked up 21 yards Devin Tompkins picked up 14 yards neither of them had a uh, touchdown that that's kick returns punt returns was Jordan Nathan uh, he picked up 11 yards um, on punt returns all-around offense defense special teams everybody playing great football from basically start to finish. The defense and the special teams was start to finish. And even the offense played great from start to finish. The only thing is they had those errors early on in the game that were loud. They were costly. They they cost us four, 14 points. But the offense still played a great game from start to finish. And, and let's not like blow it out of proportion either. I mean San Jose State scoring 17 points. It doesn't matter whose fault those points were. It doesn't matter who they belong to. San Jose State scoring 17 isn't a bad thing at all. So it's really not a huge deal that San Jose State scored 17. Really the only reason we bring up the fact that 14 of those points kind of belong to the offense. I mean, that first touchdown is certainly on the offense. The second one is on the offense as well but I mean the first one the defense didn't have a chance to stop it. the second the second one they they did but it, it was great field position the only reason we bring up any of that is just to show how good the defense was it's not to show how bad the offense was because the offense wasn't bad at all and for San Jose State to score 17 points it's not bad it's not out of the ordinary if it weren't for those points coming out of a pick six and a fumble that was that gave the Spartans great field position We wouldn't be talking about it at all. We would just be like, wow, 17 points, great defense. So, great performance, start to finish, offense, defense, special teams. The best game of football Utah State has played all year. Just in time to, just in time for senior night. And if you don't have your tickets, you need to get your tickets. You need to be at this game, Wyoming, at home against Utah State. After everything our seniors have been through, from, I mean, literally from Jordan Love to COVID to this. They've been through a lot. We've been through a lot with them. We really need to be out there to show our support for these seniors. Um, especially, they're going out on such a good note. They're working so hard for us this year. Um, and they deserve our support. They're out there winning games. Um, and at the end of the day, as a fan, that's all we care about, right? We all we only care about winning games. And that's what they're doing. They've, they've won eight for us. We need to show them some support. Um, so if you don't have your tickets to that game, make sure you get your tickets and and do your best to be there. Uh, yeah, it's cold. Yeah, it's late. Don't care. Be there. It's going to be a great game. We owe our seniors some support. They've been through a lot. They've, they've sacrificed so much for this school and they've stuck it out through a lot of just weird stuff. They've had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows that quite honestly that this program has possibly ever seen. So uh, be there for that after senior night. We just have one more regular season game in New Mexico this time against the Lobos um, to finish out the to finish out conference play and the season, and then it's on to potentially a Mountain West championship game and bowl season. Speaking of a Mountain West championship game, let's look at the standings in the conference and let's see what we need to do to not just get there but to host at this point if we win the next two we are playing in the mountain west championship game and that becomes very very likely and has been becoming more and more likely with every win we are projected to beat wyoming we are projected to beat new mexico if we do our job we're in the championship game the west division belongs to us now what do we need to do to make sure that game is played in logan rather than san diego state well, there's nothing we can do except for hope that UNLV or Boise State beats San Diego State. The big game that happened this past week was Nevada-San Diego State. We talked about it a couple weeks in advance. We knew that was going to be a big one. We knew that was going to be an important one. San Diego State gets the win 23-21 to over Nevada. Nevada's out of the running to host the game. It's, it's going to be San Diego State unless they lose to UNLV or Boise State. Boise State is probably the most capable team of beating them boise state is really really good year in year out this year is maybe not their best year they've ever had but they're they're capable certainly of beating san diego state that being said san diego state is probably one of the best teams um has one of the best teams that they've had in a long time at that school and UNLV probably just can't do it. UNLV just probably does not have the weapons. Anything can happen, but UNLV just doesn't have the have the weapons to realistically win that game. So hopefully Boise State can win that game. And if we win out, it doesn't matter what Boise State does. They can win as many games as they want to because we will win the West Division anyways. The Mountain Division. So hopefully San Diego State finds a way to lose one more game so that Mountain West Championship game is played in Logan. Let's talk about everything else that happened in the conference. We'll go quickly through the rest of the scoreboard. Boise State beat Wyoming 23-13. Utah State beat San Jose State 48-17. UNLV picks up their second win of the season against Hawaii 27-13. Air Force beat Colorado State 35-21. Fresno beat New Mexico 34-7. And, of course, San Diego State beat Nevada 23-21. to 21. So, as of right now, Utah State is receiving those 12 votes in the AP poll. San Diego State is the obligatory ranked team in the Mountain West. And it's been like this since week one. We joked about it after, like, the third week of football. It's been like this since the beginning. We, it, I re- we really started to notice when Wyoming got that one vote randomly. And it was like, okay, this is weird. The Mountain West always just has one team in and one team receiving votes. Utah State finally became the one team receiving votes because nobody else is is deserving of that. Um, because Fresno's lost and Air Force has lost and, and, all, and, and everything else. So Utah State finally moving into that obligatory receiving votes as San Diego State is in the top 25. That's the AP poll. So really exciting for Utah State to be receiving votes it's, it's exciting for the Mountain West to have a team in the top 25 in San Diego State and if San Diego State loses hopefully they can stay in the top 25 what would be perfect for Utah State is if we were in the top 25 and our Mountain West championship game opponent was in the top 25 and we got that win that would really help us going into the off season and into next year, of course, winning a bowl game would help that as well. We've talked about that a little bit. We'll talk about that a lot more in depth, probably in, even into the offseason as we prepare for next year's football team. But that's where we're at right now. That's where the conference is at right now. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Sorry it's a day late. Hopefully it was worth the wait. There's just so much going on with Utah State football and basketball right now. So uh, there's so much to cover. So I really hope you enjoyed the show. And... We'll be back later this week, of course, because we have lots going on um, in football and basketball. Before I let you go, just a quick update. Stanford ended up beating San Jose State, so San Jose State drops to 1-1 and on the season in basketball. So that's your final score update. It's kind of weird having a game go on while we record this, but um, that's life. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Go Aggies.